Welcome to this special episode of the Dallas Church Podcast. This week, as some bonus content to go with our 2021 Marriage Sermon Series, we're excited to share an interview with Pastor Ben and Carl and Laura Chica. Carl and Laura are biblical counselors serving with Restored Ministry in Salem. Both of them have served as biblical counselors for over 15 years. They've helped counsel people that we love, and we are excited to have them as a resource in the greater Dallas-Salem Independence area. In this interview, Ben, Carl, and Laura will discuss how to overcome and deal with the additional stress that can get put on marriages and families. From COVID-19 to the traumas we carry with us and even just the myths that our culture tells about marriage, we hope this interview can help give you some tools to overcome the bad advice for love. Let's talk about COVID-19 lockdown this past year. Uh, Certainly anecdotally, People have uh, shared on different social media, and we've heard it here in our church family too, that it's, it's added extra stress on marriages and families. Um, from, from you guys' perspective, I mean, what have you seen, uh, especially with what this has created this past year for, for marriages and families? Yeah. Well, first of all, if we just do a quick review, when we think of COVID, we think of the political unrest. Uh, we think of uh, just a global shutdown in our area, fires and smoke, and now ice, and then school completely shutting down, mm-hmm. athletics, choir, church, normal life, we were just shown we are not in control of as much as we thought. And when that dynamic occurs, what we see primarily with couples and families are two main things. One is this time of, let's call it spiritual squeezing. So we've been physically in our schedule, in our life squeezed. And oftentimes that physical squeezing brings out the areas of uh, struggle and weakness that we have not grown in, have not addressed personally. Maybe we didn't even know it was there. But also there are times when we're squeezed that it brings up dynamic fruit. Dynamic fruit, which is there have been some good things in our lives that now are at our foundation and at our core, which we hope is faith in Jesus Christ and that we're rooted in the word of God. And that when we're squeezed, the good fruit comes out as well. And so we're seeing those two extremes with families and couples as they encounter these many trials that we've experienced these last year and a half. Yeah, I think, I think by nature, we, we are ones that like predictability and, and comfort. And um, that, that predictability, that feeling like life is going to be normal, um, what I've experienced in the past will be consistently experienced in the future. And, and COVID has really tested that. And, um, and again, that's where um, when our circumstances are tested, it shows up a lot in our relationships. And so, you know, families who now maybe have one or both spouses working at home, kids at home, you have this incredible dynamic now for really uh, showing what maybe some of those areas for, for potential growth are. And, um, and we always like to frame it that way. I mean, we, we're all in the process of growing and, and, and looking at trials as opportunities to maybe reveal some of those areas where we wish we were uh, responding more Christ-like. Um, and so we try to frame it in that language because it, mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit more um, positive, mm-hmm. but it, it's really challenging mm-hmm. and it really has been a difficult season and it doesn't look like it's coming to a nice end. So I think <laughs> you know, we're really about encouraging um, couples and families, how do we how do we strengthen up mm-hmm. for the long haul? That mm-hmm. that perseverance piece that you know that's just such a theme in scripture, and 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 I can see that definitely the Lord is giving us opportunity to develop perseverance for the for the future. So yeah, I was going to say that collective loss of control that we've we've heard about is certainly just created on so many levels uh, anxiety for people, and people have had to be at home a lot more together. Yeah. And that always causes, you know, good and bad. Like you guys had just mentioned, you have the two extremes. Um, I mean, you, have you guys seen some, I guess, some healthy practices for that 
more together time? Does it involve taking a few more breaks, maybe <laughs> getting out of the house a little bit? You know, how, how does that dynamic work? Because I think we're going to be kind of in some form of lockdown for a little bit while, while longer. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I think that what we'd like to start first is we want to start with the heart condition and the heart condition is now going to manifest actually things that we can do. And when we're under this type of trial and stress, uh, we tend to feel sorry for ourselves, uh, get angry at God, get angry at the circumstances. We could have fear and anxiety. And when we allow ourselves to be carried away by those things, it reminds me of James, which says the anger of man cannot accomplish the righteousness of God. And so if we look at that principle in a broader sense, not just anger, but anxiety, fear, worry, even entitlement, we don't deserve this. I don't deserve what's going on. What, will, it, what it will lead to is internally having a heart that is now going to be prone to discouragement and conflict. Or what we read in scripture in Romans, it's, it's the kindness of God. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And it is also then the kindness of Laura and I in a marriage, in a marriage, in a family with the kids that is going to lead to the good and fruitful things. So we start off with a, a heart condition and the heart condition is our thinking and the decision-making we make with our heads and it's also our emotions. And then we have to then come up with good strategies to figure out how to now still be able to not just survive during this time, but actually this is an opportunity to thrive. When we encounter trials in life, it's actually a positive way to look at it is it's, it's a positive way to allow live out the gospel. And so then it starts in our heart. And then strategies for living in the gospel might look like, what are some things that you would encourage families to think about? Well, I, I think, I think um, you know, teaching families uh, or families learning that flexibility. I think a lot of times we've become very dependent in the success of our relationship on our busyness. Mm. We, we aren't a people who, who know how to really to rest well or to, um, to be still. And so I think that's a, sure. it's a great opportunity to really put that into practice. What does that mean mm -hmm. just to be um, mm -hmm. as a couple, uh, you know, in, in including uh, family mm -hmm. members in that? Um, and, so, and so being more intentional about being comfortable with that and talking about ways that, that, we, can, um, that we can make that, that individual couple time or family time more intentional with, with the purpose of of being okay without the busyness. And I think when we do that, all of a sudden we begin to recognize that um, there are areas that we have for potential growth in that. Mm -hmm. um, so if Carl and I are um, interacting and we've been very dependent upon um, the um, busyness of our, our relationship, we're just going in two different directions. And as long as his path mm -hmm and my path don't, don't have any conflict or they're somewhat supportive, um, then we can do really well. But it's completely different if now we're together all the time and now all of a sudden, you know, whose, whose opinion or whose desire or whose fear is going to win in this circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so um, being able to communicate about that, to recognize what are those heart conditions that are really driving us and be able to share those things and, and talk about them. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think that communication piece becomes mm -hmm. really important. And in practical ways during this time, our business has actually cut down as well. Uh, we've done things like do meal prep together, do special meals mm -hmm. you know, that the family likes, uh, doing them actually together, not just mom or dad, but including the kids. We have adult children but we also have extended family that have younger kids, so including them. Um, in the spring that is coming up, today is a decent day. Uh, last spring when COVID was really shut down, we were doing a lot of walking outdoors, uh, trying to follow the rules, but also just getting out and stretching our legs. Uh, when it was raining, um, a couple of my daughters decided that we wanted to put together some puzzles 
And we would just put together puzzles and we would talk during that time about all kinds of situations that were going on in life. Um, games, Laura got into some different uh, theme games that we were getting into. And I think those be- You mean like uh, video games, Laura? Uh, well, no, so we're doing uh, more like uh, strategy games, you know, <laughs> not video games. Like what was the, the Ticket to Ride, the yeah, Ticket to Ride ticket series. To ride. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think that going back to where I started, it's the heart and mind that then those activities create now the potential. So we could, we could put a list on, on, on the wall and say, on Monday, we're going to do this and Tuesday, this and this and this. But if we're doing it just as a behavior, that might not produce what we're hoping to see in the family environment and relationships. Mm-hmm. But if we're starting with the idea that I, I want to live Jesus with my marriage, in my marriage and with my family, my children and our close associates, our community, that then it's an opportunity and that those things might be uh, the opportunity or the conduit to living out the, the, the qualities of Christ. And um, in our situation, we've been meeting with about two or three different families for Bible study. And because church hasn't been what it was, uh, we would also then include, you know, a, a lunchtime afterwards and, and try to do some community there. Otherwise, we've been very isolated. So having people in our home as, you know, the boundaries allow um, was something that was one of the only connection points that we've had other than Zoom. And then Zoom gets right, tired right. after a while. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, you know, speaking of, of the Zoom thing, we all kind of had to learn that technology through all of this. And um, yeah, it just doesn't quite replace you know, that physical handshake or that, you know, even that hug. Um, I, I know many of us are excited when we can actually <laughs> hug each other again yeah, and have more people over to our house. It's something that Jackie and I love to do is um, we love food. And, and that's been a real interesting thing for us during this time too, is that you find some different skills. We, we did our, our garden for the first time. And I think uh, th- there's a great opportunity for families to maybe try some some new things that maybe they just time didn't allow because we've you know all been so busy in our lives and not taking breaks normally this is this has created new opportunities I think uh, mm-hmm. let me switch gears real quick um, and this is something that I'm sure you guys deal with a lot with regard to marriage and relationships oftentimes we're so focused on um, you know what's going on currently in the relationship and when conflicts and things come up sometimes those will hint toward a previous or past trauma. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that you guys ha- ha- probably deal with quite a bit in your ministry a- as you counsel and talk to couples that are going through crisis. Oftentimes, it's not about the current thing that's happening, but mm-hmm. that's really a symptom of something that was going on in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk a little bit about that. When, when, when th- those things come up and, and couples will be watching this, marriages will be, uh, you know, kind of taking a look at what we're talking about today. And how, how can we, you know, in a healthy way, start to uh, bring Christ into those past traumas so that we can, you know, have a healthier future? Yes. Uh, the reality of traumas and trials in life, uh, when we read throughout scripture, not only do we see that the people of God experience hardships, um, but we also see that there is actually an eternal and a God plan behind it. And so we shouldn't be caught off guard when we experience difficulties. But traumas, whether we've worked through some of them or we have not and we've pushed them down, have a way of becoming present. So often we talk about traumas being something that becomes present. So the past becomes present. And when it becomes present, it does two main things it presently becomes an issue with our vertical relationship with the living God. So oftentimes I'm working through uh, pain and suffering, and then I'm still struggling with the God who allowed this to happen and, and who is God and why did this occur? And can I really access the comfort of God? But then it also has a horizontal potential that past unresolved traumas the past becoming present, 
impacts relationships here. And uh, that reality then requires us to really think through then, what is this the time now? Is this the time that God has for me and for us to grow and to heal? And we don't forget, and the scars may be there, but can we grow and heal beyond the trauma in a way that actually begins to impact our relationship with the living God and the people around us. And I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to offer that comfort to others. Okay. And when we look at that, we can understand two things. Number one, we have a savior in Jesus Christ and he is one that has suffered in all ways and he can sympathize with us. But also even someone like a Paul, he is someone that um, has experienced all kinds of traumas, physical traumas, emotional traumas. He has uh, experienced relational traumas. And then he even describes uh, the supernatural uh, satanic attack. And he is being afflicted and he is asking God, he's saying, take it away. Would you please take it away? And it's interesting, God's response. The kind God, the God that offers comfort responds this way. He says, no, I'm not gonna take it away. My grace is sufficient. And you go, whoa, wait a minute. If we have trauma and we have pain, isn't the most loving thing to just take it away. Right, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that is the case. Sometimes faith in Christ, working through issues supernaturally, the Lord takes away all kinds of uh, potential hurts and suffering and consequences of traumas that we've experienced. But a lot of times what he says is, my grace is sufficient. And then he goes on to say, and in your weakness, now you can experience, and I'm paraphrasing, you can experience the power of God. Mm -hmm. So once again, do we, we have a choice. Do we stay in the past becoming present, destructive to my relationship with the living God, destructive to relationships around me? Or do I say, God, I actually take you at your word. You are the God of comfort in all affliction. And do I take... God at his word as he spoke to Paul and say, and it's during these times of weakness that actually I can experience the supernatural power of God as he heals and grows me. And then that affects all of the relationships around us. Many times when we're meeting with a couple, um, they're not aware of, of how those past traumas are, are becoming present or showing up in their present conflict. And so as we're, we begin asking questions, we're looking for, are there unresolved or unhealed areas that, that, that they really haven't taken to the Lord and experienced that, that um, restoration? And then um, we wanna be in a process of, of continually um, letting the Lord heal those areas so that they don't affect our relationship with him or our relationship with the, each other. But this is one thing we really emphasize uh, when, when we are working with couples, oftentimes couples uh, will look at a trauma as being belonging only to the individual. So, so this is kind of your issue. You need to work through this. And, and we really want a, a more biblical response is that God sees you as one flesh. So as a one flesh, your issues, your, your trauma, your, your past conflict and whatever you bring is actually ours. It belongs to us. And so when we, when we have that, that view and see our marriage in that one flesh union, we begin to understand that, that, that Carl's difficulties, Carl's trials, Carl's challenges are also mine. And so then there is a piece of how is my biblical response in Christ's likeness ministering to him as if it were me. Um, and, yeah. and, and so then that begins to bring both couples in, um, in a unique way. And you can almost see God's, God's great purposes being lived out, even as he allows us to experience trials, because they can forge the couple together in ways um, that otherwise wouldn't be experienced. 
And as, as Carl was talking that. about even experiencing the comfort of God, we get to, by being Christ-like, begin to minister to each other, providing that comfort. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, so there's, a, there's this incredible, again, opportunity to really see God's, um, his grace, which is, is really himself, being ministered to and poured out through that through that um, marriage relationship, and it's it's beautiful and transforming. And we have seen I love that. Um, we have seen people work through um, so many hard things, um, and they've ministered well to each other. They've been the tools that God has used, and you see the beauty of that one flesh union really come to life. I love that because you know so often. You know, like a couple will come to me as as a pastor and they, they haven't taken it maybe to the level of talking to you guys yet or, or talking to a counselor. They'll come to me and oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll kind of get this sense of, well, you need to go to counseling for this or you need to go. And there's almost like this immediate separation rather than looking at it as one flesh that we're actually what affects you affects me. And I really think that's part of, of how God designed marriage as well. It's It's a discipleship tool. Where, yes. um, you know, I look at my wife, Jackie, and I think, you know, there's things that she's seeing in me that maybe someone else wouldn't see. And she's helping form me as well. So, you know, I, that, that right there is, is, is a golden nugget. Uh, man, so good. Um, and what you're describing is yeah. when we're coming into marriage, or if this is being introduced to us now in the middle of a time of suffering, is what is our perspective even on marriage? Do we start marriage... I know I did at a young age, thinking of what I get out of marriage. Mm -hmm. So yeah. marriage is now going to bring access to all of these things that I want, I desire, and that I need, rather than first seeing marriage as a ministry to the other person to further their walk in Christ, to really biblically counsel or disciple them. We are right, both right. responsible for discipling each other. And when I look at the place of Christ, I look at Christ at his greatest moment. He is submitting himself and he's acting as a suffering servant and he humbles himself. And that is the illustration that it is used in marriage for the husband as he humbles himself the same way Christ did to see that ministry is the priority this direction. And then when we minister one to another, isn't it amazing and isn't it a great blessing when then we also experience the many good things and blessings that come with marriage that is now founded in Jesus Christ. But we want those things immediately. And when we don't get them, we have unmet expectations. We once again gravitate towards anger. Uh, we gravitate towards pity. We gravitate towards entitlement. Why is my marriage not this way? Right. Rather than seeing that what God really wants us wants to do with us is grow us. And, and that's a long game. That's not a short game. That's a long game. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Too and often we want the quick fix. Discipleship. You think about discipleship. That's a long game. I mean, Jesus took what? How many countless hours with you know 12 yahoos it still didn't get it after three years. It's a long game that we're playing here. And, uh, yeah. and I love that idea of that that building of discipleship of each other and um yeah that i couldn't have said it better you guys are well you guys should do this for uh for like a ministry or something oh. uh, <laughs> uh well let me switch gears real quick and 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 um we're we're in a you know a marriage series and we're talking about uh trying to steer people to good advice rather than the bad advice mm -hmm. that sometimes you often hear in the media or or, or on a you know the, the latest disney or hallmark <laughs> special uh, there's a lot of bad advice out there. So what I want, I, I thought this would be kind of fun. I just want to maybe shoot out some of these little tidbits that we've all heard before. And I'd love, you know, maybe you guys can tag team or whatever, kind of maybe hint toward what would be better advice than, than that. I mean, the first one that, that I remember hearing in, in early on in, in Jack and I's marriage is, you know, happy wife, happy life. As long as wife is happy, all is fine. Why is that maybe not the, the, the end-all, be-all of great advice for, for marriage? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I, th I thought that was a real true one. It's in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, we have to ask ourselves, um, 
what is really, what do we hear in scripture? Does he say, does, does the living God say, I want you to have a perfectly wonderful life now, or in this world, you're going to have trouble and <laughs> just wait till you are home with me. Yeah. And so we have this very immediate gratification orientation. Our flesh, okay, desires the immediate gratification. So in all of the little themes that you brought up here, one of the things that comes up to me is 1 John when it says, and it says in 1 John chapter uh, 2, verse um, 15 and following, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. The eyes, the flesh, my physical, you know, flesh, and then what I, what I really long for. And so if we look at that as a kind of like a filter, examining now happy wife, happy life, or you already referenced Disney, which my daughters, I've got three daughters, they know they're all, they're 26, 24, 22. They all know all of the Disney songs. So we watched all the movies, but I remember when they were growing up, we would sometimes pause it and go, okay, it's the princess getting the prince and you don't get to see the rest of the story, right? right? You don't get to see the rest of the story. We only end on it's a happy ending. Mm -hmm. And when we come to life saying that's what I demand or what my expectation is, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. And when we're disappointed, yeah. we're disappointed with the living God and the truth of his word. And then we're disappointed with ourselves. And it's because what we've done is we've gravitated towards the things that we've already been cautioned with that will be temptations, that will be things that are what we call false idols. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I, I think um, if we think about that, that, that marriage will be good if you do everything to fulfill your, your wife's desires, right? Make her happy. Um, the whole principle of, of Christ in me is that I no longer live, that I'm dying to myself. Mm -hmm. And, and that Christ now is living in me. So, so to advocate that in a marriage, a husband should in any way indulge a, or cultivate a self-centered, self-serving um, uh, um, heart in, in his wife would actually be in, uh, against everything that scripture is teaching us about self-denial and um, about really, um, learning to live out Christ and to die to myself. And so, so many times we call it the upside down principles. Uh, the, the, the worldly view is often completely um, opposite of what God would, would, would give us as means of being able to achieve what we ultimately want is, is joy, uh, a supernatural joy in our relationship that sustains us, uh, perseveres, right, through the difficulties of life, because this isn't our best life now. Well, that's good. Oh, man. Uh, you're just shattering these, these advice <laughs> nuggets out there. Let's try another one. Uh, this idea of finding that soulmate who just complete, kind of completes me, and, and uh, you know, we'll find that one person out there that just, you know, checks all the boxes and, and just will completely round out my life what, what about that type of a you know find that soulmate I, I think that's a really that's that's a really common one that that we hear um, and I think it's easy to believe and I think a lot of believers um, see that other person as their ultimate fulfillment and again the problem is is that it's putting a, a person in the place of Christ only, only my vertical relationship can completely um, give me uh, fulfillment, purpose, meaning, all of that. It, that that's why we have scriptures, um, you know, that talk about that we want to put God first. He has to be the priority. Then um, once, once we are um, completely satisfied and find our fulfillment in him, now we're in a place where we can then love others in, in a right way. Um, as, as then gifts or blessings or opportunities to minister. Um, and so, uh, so there isn't a person that could be my soulmate. And you can see where that's a problem because what if your, your spouse isn't your soulmate? What if, what if they actually um, are, are destructive or abusive or neglectful right, right. 
or abandon or 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 pass away. Now, now if that's oh, what that depended upon, which I think a lot of marriages in our even in our Christian culture are based on, you are here to be my ultimate fulfillment, um, and and then that drives them. And we often say, let's take that carrot off the table. The marriage isn't mm. the carrot that we're going for. The marriage is Christ. Yeah. If we get Christ, you'll get the marriage. Mm-hmm. But but again, it's that mm-hmm. it's that upside down principle. Mm-hmm. Um, we we help couples say, let's put that aside for right now. Let's figure out how do you find complete fulfillment and joy in the living God. Mm-hmm. Now let Him redefine your relationship. And that's what will be fulfilling. When we when we think of marriage, and perhaps we've read lots of even good Christian books, mm-hmm. where do we go? We go straight to Ephesians, right? We go straight to Ephesians and wives, your husbands, <laughs> and husband, you know, husbands love your wives, and we skip all the way through the rest of Ephesians. But at the very beginning in Ephesians, Paul establishes a truth. And it says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. Then down in verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose for good works. And, and, it, and it gives this idea, verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. There's all of this, um, all of these truth statements about when you place your faith in Christ, you get Jesus. You get him now and you get him as your inheritance you have already received, you are rich, but it's in Christ. And how I like to describe it is then, if I understand that I am rich and complete in Christ, even though I know I still sin, even though we know we're in a process of sanctification, spiritual growth, we don't live perfectly, but from that father's perspective, he looks at us and he sees righteousness because of Jesus. And if that's the case, and I am thriving with my relationship with the Lord, then everything that is going on here is ministry towards Laura, and then fruit in our marriage, in our relationship. That's like bonus, bonus. That's like (laughs) the icing on the cake. Yeah, Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. Jesus is like, you know, the, 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 we're at the, we're at the marriage feast of the lamb. We're at the table. And then he says, oh, and also in this lifetime right now. You're going to minister to her. It's not all self-centered. However, if you have me on the throne, ruling and reigning in your life, you also get the opportunity to interact with someone that is also made made in the image of God. And now that individual will be a helper fit. We're both helper fits. And that's not a derogatory term because the, the Hebrew term helper is used all the way through the Old Testament of God being the helper yep. of his people. So when she, Eve, is called helper, the idea is, is we're helping each other. And now then we're blessing each other in this process of sanctification. So, yeah, so a, a great way to just sum that up. I mean, in Christ, we are complete. And so expecting another human being to do that, it, it, it doesn't even make sense. And so yeah, I love that. That it's kind of the icing on the cake that really we are given this uh, new ministry of, of mutual submission and seeing fruit. Our, our marriage is bigger than you and I. It's yeah. bigger than two people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just family either. It's a mission to the world. And uh, man, I love that. Okay, a couple more. Um, we're, we're doing, I'm going to cue these things up and you guys can just grab your bat. And <laughs> How about this one? I'm leaving some of the, the best juicy ones for last. Uh, how, how about this? We've heard it all in, in songs and everything, but what about that whole, you know, love at first sight? You know, when you see that, just that love at first sight. Now, certainly, we're not saying that romance and excitement and attraction aren't aren't real. That's that's really important too. But why is that so destructive? That whole idea of, of 
just you get that love at first sight and that's what we're really looking for in life well i'm gonna let laura tell you about when she fell in love with me at her first sight go ahead tell tell everyone <laughs> how, that, how that really didn't work out yeah the, when i when i first saw carl um we were up at, at corbin university and we were there and he uh my girlfriend and i were kind of like okay let's go check out you know the the campus and see um you know who we can meet and so we went into the gym and they had like a balcony where you could look down on on what was happening in the gym and there in the gym there's a indoor soccer game going on and it's shirts against skins and so <laughs> we're watching we're checking it out and we're laughing and all of a sudden i see this like this almost emaciated brown guy running around super i mean super thin like i thought abnormally thin as a matter of fact what i thought was he's either it's either like you know a, a a foreign student that you know got a scholarship to come and play on the soccer team um and maybe he just is malnourished i mean that's really that was the discussion my girlfriend and i had or he could, wow. you know maybe had cancer and now he's recuperating my hair my hair was cut really short because you know it's really wow. So, you know, so what that a great I, first that, impression. Yeah, that yeah. first impression or love at first sight. And and love is just never based on that. So if we again go to scripture, God loved us when we were his enemies. We we were antagonistic. Uh we didn't want anything to do with him. There wasn't anything that was lovely or desirable about us. Um, his love for us is a complete manifestation or or demonstration of his nature his character and so um and so that that more modern view of of two people you know falling in love is actually not the good a good basis on what sustains a couple through marriage um marriage is really based on a commitment first to god and then to the other person to say i'm committed to love you like christ loves you yeah, and it's yeah. covenanting so god makes covenants all the way back with abraham and he keeps his coven covenants unconditionally and yeah, right. when we come into marriage we are covenanting with god and then with each other and really then love is in application a choice to love despite unconditionally so now I've got three daughters and I didn't just say, go marry any guy. I said, begin to evaluate the godly characteristics mm -hmm. that you know that the Lord would have you pursue. Yeah, yeah. And then um, establish, you know, is this someone that could be in the same yoke as me? So in marriage, the same yoke is two people pulling together the cart, uh, not one off balance. So finding out is that, you know, young man or young guy or if we're looking at uh, a second marriage and divorce scenario, learning from the past and saying, you know, are we going to be able to be, be in the yoke together? Not just the bachelor phenomena where we yeah. put, you know, good looking people on display and, and have all of this drama to figure out if they're going to get married and pick the one. It's so hard, right? Because, you know, as, as a supermodel, it's really hard to find anybody yeah, 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 yeah. As if you're, as if their motivation wasn't wealth, and so it's easy to pick on the bachelor or the bachelorette, what whichever show you're looking at. But what are we pursuing mm -hmm. when we look at love at first sight? What's appealing to my eye? Remember Samson, Samson, oh, yeah. who's a special guy during the time of the judges. And he says, that girl looks right to me. Get her for me, mom and dad. And they're like, no, that's not the right girl for you. Well, that's not just Samson. What was symptomatic of the whole time of the judges is, and at that time there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Their own so eyes. number one, no king. Jesus is the king. Is he ruling and reigning? And if he's not ruling and reigning in my life, I'm going to look at what looks good in my eye and I'm going to want it. Yeah. And right, then right, what right. I'll do is be more emotionally led, be more fleshly led. Mm -hmm. And then that idea of love at first sight really starts to crumble, right? Yeah. Right. Well, and, and what you guys have really said well, that love, love is 
uh, an intention. I mean, it, it, it's a covenant. I mean, I mean, that's that's really how God dealt with us. I mean, um, his his promises, right? We have promise books that we give graduates sometimes uh, back when we did graduations. <laughs> but yes. We would give these, you know, God's promises. And that's yes. the idea of a marriage is a promise and a covenant. And that takes both eyes open and, and, and intention. And, uh, you know, that even, I think, Laura, you mentioned that whole... Uh, other phrase which is falling in love almost like it's some kind of thing you tripped over yes. and uh, love is much more intentional than that uh, i just boy well said uh maybe one more um and that's this and and you've heard it i'm sure i'm sure a million times and i think we already picked on disney we shouldn't probably pick on disney <laughs> but in that media mogul's eyes you know, follow your heart seems to be a big one. Mm -hmm. Just just follow your heart and everything will be okay. Why is that not so good advice for, for lifelong love? Well, <clears throat> the scripture has a lot to say about um, our heart. And so I think we could sum it up this way. Um, that, that adage, follow your heart. Scripture says, your heart, apart from God, is deceitful and desperately wicked. If, if, we, if we saw the heart in that context, would we tell anybody, including ourselves, that we should follow a deceitful and wicked heart or motivation or, mm -hmm. or impulse that, that we think would lead us to something that would be beneficial or, or good? Um, and so it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very human or worldly way of looking that somehow our heart is going to lead us to things that are are god honoring or or even good and and we don't we don't see that that works well in the world but especially from a biblical context our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and and it should not be the the controlling or command center of my life oh that's so good we could rewind that and play that like a hundred yeah. times yeah. Yeah. yeah and then and then i think a wonderful illustration is the little mermaid the little mermaid ariel let's pick on her a little bit she's a sweet girl <laughs> but she's pretty self-centered and um so she wants what dad says she can't have mm -hmm. and so uh I, I know that disney didn't intend it but how often do we want what god said the father says that's not what i want you to have and it seems like it's innocent so she gravitates towards curiosity she meets prince eric and she pursues what is in her heart but in order to do that, she makes a deal with Ursula the sea witch, and she basically sells her soul to oh. Ursula. And along the way, now, her friends and her father are going to be um, in a place of now uh, where they can be hurt. And, and so now her father even, you know, becomes this little tiny like little worm thing. And you're looking at her desire of the heart being fulfilled and people around her hurting. And, and it's not the scripture, but so often don't we see that in the scriptures? What my strong desire is, if it's not led by the spirit of God and word of God is destructive to me. So now scripture describes us as he's going to give us a new heart and he's going to put his spirit in us. And new desires and new desires but my heart can still be led by the world the flesh and the devil okay or by the spirit and word of god and so now i've got this battle going on and if i walk around going well i just need to follow my heart i need to make that decision follow my heart uh it, it's not uncommon for us to to do premarital counseling and we're coaching young couples they're going to get married and then they come back to us and they're like yeah, we need to know, should we take this job? Should we go to graduate school? Should we, you know, start having a family right now? And we go, we don't know. Here's the question. Are you pursuing the Lord? Is your heart pursuing the Lord? And are you thriving that way? Then he will lead you. And then it's okay to say this now. The Lord, the spirit of God will lead you in your heart and your mind to what? Yeah choose graduate school the job uh moving is it time to buy a house is it time to now start having children i don't know if you should have two 
or you should have five like us, you know, is everyone supposed to be crazy and have five, you know, um, but the Lord then leads our heart through his spirit and through his word now in a way that then is potentially now a blessing to us and right. doesn't have now the potential consequences that self-centeredness brings in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's really good. So, I mean, we've talked about uh, over and over again through many of these conversations that we've had about how much the Lord and faith in Christ plays into the marriage relationship, even from the beginning in Genesis, it, it doesn't start with, you know, Adam and Eve, it really starts with God and Adam, there's a sense of humanity is right from the beginning, uh, is connected to the Lord first, and then these other things happen. And I think that's really important mm -hmm. for couples to hear whether they're hoping to get married or already married or whatever their, their, you know, relational situation is that our, our faith in Christ is the center of, of, of everything. And uh, that's where it has to start. And, um, and if we can start from that place, uh, it's, it's amazing how sometimes people will come to me again and, 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 and you guys know this too, couples will come to you and, and, and they'll talk about problems or things like that. And, and, and my, my first thing is to, well, how's your relationship with the Lord, right? Yeah. What's going on there? Cause that's really where, that's my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where my area of expertise is where, where's your relationship with the Lord. And it's amazing to me how, um, how consistent it is that, that folks aren't really putting that as a priority. They're not spending the time in prayer. They're not, you know, those spiritual disciplines and it's got to start there. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, you can get that thing going and then let's, let's talk further. And it's got to start with Jesus. And uh, so I appreciate you guys hitting that. I mean, that's, that makes a pastor's heart happy. <laughs> You're starting with that. Uh, one more, if, if that's okay. Uh, and, yep. and I appreciate you guys, your, your time. It's been great. Um, so just some, as we kind of wrap up, what are some just great, uh, I guess, best practices for keeping love alive, uh, for keeping some fun in it? Uh, Lord knows we could use some some fun, some sunshine in relationships and marriage and families right now. What are just some of the things you guys should throw out some things that really kind of help keep that love alive for couples? We got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for that. Let's pray. Actually, I'll just throw one out that happened. This is this is something unique with Laura and I, but uh, over the years, we we both have been able to do a lot of international travel for ministry. And we were just on a, a phone call this morning uh, with some very dear friends of ours who have a ministry in Haiti. And we're going to potentially in May do uh, a missions trip to celebrate the the opening of a new orphanage that we've been a part of for a long time. And awesome. we've been there before, but we haven't been there now for two years. So we're really looking forward to relationships there. But both Laura and I love to minister that way together. There have been times where I go on a trip, I take guys or, or, or Laura will go somewhere. But something like that has been one of the blessings that we've yeah. been able to experience together as a couple. And I, I think just kind of going along that thought, uh, one of the things that that really fuses and strengthens uh, that marriage relationship is serving together. Uh, there's there's something that that we can have so much fun, but it, it requires some preparation. It requires us team building, you know, working together, um, you know, to set a goal. And then how do we accomplish that together? But when we focus that on somebody else and there's a lot of opportunities within the church to serve or um, within our communities to get out and serve together. Um, that's one I think people, when they, when they think in terms of what are some good activities for marriage, we often think, uh, you know, just what's going to feed us. And, and that's okay. I mean, we like, we love to watch movies and have popcorn and puzzles. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we like to do all those things too, but I would say one of the biggest areas that has uh, really put a lot of life into our relationship is, is seeing how did God wire us to minister together? How do we as one flesh and what does that look like? And there's so many different ways that we can accomplish that. But the more we're others focused, I think God brings a deep blessing to, to, to strengthen our one relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that would be one I would really encourage 
uh, couples to really chew on and, and, and pray about God. What is it that we do serving together? Again, in the church, we often are going two different directions, even in our ministries, right? Mm-hmm. How do we That's serve true. then as that one flesh unit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I mean, also value times of retreat. You know, there are times where retreat is important, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we, we earlier described our tendency to be really busy. busy yeah. But are there times for retreat where we could rest? Yeah. For us, it would be, you know, hiking about and finding good, good meals. You know, we, we enjoy that. We're, we're right there with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hiking and food. Time. Yeah. And, and another thing that seems um, now, once again, it seems like, well, it might not be, you know, the, the thing that we're thinking of for keeping love alive, love alive in, in our lifetime is, are we able to minister to others, find another couple, a younger couple that you could minister to? You'd be surprised I, how we accumulate young couples and we're old and they want to share time with us. And now we're ministering to them, but we also have friendship uh, with a different generation. Uh, so we could learn from them and mutually exchange. Yeah. But there's something about that friendship with young couples and helping them go through some of the same blessings and struggles of married life and how it's taking the, the focus off of us all of the time, but placing it on someone else. Yeah. Hmm. Any, any thoughts on, uh, uh, just I was thinking as you guys were talking about rest and the less busy, we've got to bring it up modern technology, the cell phone, the social media, uh, any, any, any helpful advice there with regard to marriage and family and and devices? It it really can rob our attention. Uh I mean, it's, it's captivating and um, that's problematic both in our horizontal relationship as, as well. I mean, our vertical relationship as well as our horizontal. Um, And so I think that that social media piece uh, we have to, we have to be very intentional about how are we using it and, and how much of it controls us or are we in control of it? And a good mm-hmm. test of that is, can we leave that? Can we leave mm-hmm. that? And, and I, think, I think a lot of couples need to be challenged to, to really evaluate, assess um, how much of my time gets wrapped up into you know, whatever it is. I know Carl, uh, Carl and I talk about you know, different things that are captivating for us on, on our devices and how it's really easy for us to just disappear. Um, and, um, and, Mm -hmm. and that, that isn't healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, one of the things that we even did, this was just for us, it wasn't something that was prescribed, but we knew we needed it, uh, was, uh, in 2019, I think it was, there's a book that John Piper had written many years yeah. ago, but it was re reissued and it was on fasting prayer and fasting. Okay. And would we take the time away from, you know, um, whatever was captivating us, Netflix, looking at wonderful pictures of our kids and grandson on Instagram, <laughs> you know, fun things like yeah. that. Would we take the time to, not just pray over a meal, not just have a formal time of prayer that we might do, but actually pray with each other. And in 28 years of marriage, so we've been married now almost 29, but in 28 years of marriage at that time, consider this, we had never prayed and journaled what we were praying. So a friend gave us a book and we we did it. We did it for like, we, we started off with like for 30 days, do a prayer time together, but then also journal. And we had never done that before. And it really required us to slow down mm-hmm. and to put things down on paper and, uh, and was an unexpected uh, blessing to us that we slowed down that way. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a couple that we know that just a loving couple, they had read this book and they decided to send us a copy and we said, oh, okay, we'll take a look at it. But we, we didn't anticipate what that time of prayer and fasting would give us and also prepare us for things that we had no idea yeah. were coming up ahead. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I know we've covered a lot of ground and uh, 
Thank you so much for the time. I think, uh, you know, just wrapping up that technology thing, I, I've felt like a, a lot of people need to rediscover how the power button works mm. on those devices that actually it's okay to, to power them down for a little while and, uh, and, and, and time for reflection. And I think I appreciate that, that reminder about uh, those basic simple things of prayer and fasting. I mean, they were a big part of the yeah. early church. And for some reason, Western culture, even where we're at in evangelical Christianity, we've, we've forgotten some of those uh, ancient disciplines that actually feed our soul. And uh, so I appreciate you guys saying that. Um, but thank you guys so much for the time. Uh, I would love to have you guys out at some point, uh, even share with us on a Sunday morning uh, sometime, just uh, you speaking into the lives of, of marriage and family. I, I felt for a long time that, that marriages in the church um, really, really could always use a little encouragement because that's such a key relationship, not only for the church, but for a witness to the community. Um, and, and as moms and dads go, that also feeds into the next generation. So I, I feel it's all, all related. So thank yep. you for the, the work that you guys do with, with your ministry. And, uh, and I want to pray over your ministry here in a minute. Uh, but uh, any parting words you have for for couples and relationships before we uh, close it out? I, I think, uh, you know, our encouragement would be that, you know, we can read the signs and the seasons. Um, marriage, biblical marriage, as God intended, is under attack. Um, and, and so, you know, those of us who are really adhering to uh, God's design um, want to fully benefit and live that out because it's going to become a a bright light in a very dark culture. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it also, it also may experience persecution, um, that, that that's a, a disregarded way to live. Um, and, and I really want to encourage couples to, to hold on to the biblical truth that God's design is always perfect and right and is grounded in his truth. And um, there's so many contrary messages to that. Mm -hmm. So how do we how do we encourage one another in that truth and and encourage each other to to not just love God well, mm -hmm. but to love each other well? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that mm -hmm. piece will become more and more important uh, as we continue to see our culture mm -hmm. uh, really just you know um, descend into more and more chaos mm -hmm. and destruction. Sure. And if you kind of look around right now with this last you know year and a half, especially with all of the political unrest and imagine that just in Portland, yeah. all of the protests and what was at the center of so much of that marriage was very much at the center when we think of the marriage and the gender issues that are being promoted in, in, in our country. And so it would be really easy for us as believers to want to get political. But instead of being political, my suggestion is, how about we become personal? Mm -hmm. Leave the political to political. There may be a place and time for some of that. But can we be personal? And we have been very blessed by running into couples, individuals that are really seeking. They're like, I don't know what's going on, but it's crazy. And I don't agree, but I don't know why. <laughs> you know. And they could be young believers or young families or they're still not, they're not saved. And they just know that they don't agree, but they don't know why. But then if we get personal with them instead of political, if we're the political caricature of what an evangelical Christian is, sometimes that's not very attractive. But if we are personal about our faith in Jesus Christ, and we are able to give them the reasons why we believe and live what we live, and they are seeing not perfection, but they're seeing root yeah. in that personal relationship with them now now in a in a culture in a state in a time where there's so much conflict and tension there could actually be peace yeah. mm -hmm. and see the peace of christ come through us mm -hmm. then that's when we should be motivated then to be able to be personal about our relationship with jesus christ and the people around us yeah, yeah. That's good. It's like a cornerstone in the midst of the chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Hey, let me pray over you. And uh, you. gosh, thanks so much. Uh, Father, we thank you for marriage again. We thank you for the key relationship that, that uh, reverberates through, through so much in society and, and family. 
and legacies. And so, Lord, I thank you for Carl and, and Laura and what they're doing to, to strengthen marriages and uh, to point people toward you, uh, Father, through your son, Jesus. Help us to continually be a non-anxious presence for those in our lives and help us to be pr promoting healthy, uh, lifelong love, healthy marriages. And uh, Lord, I, I, again, I thank you for the ministry and the, the witness of, uh, gosh, 29 years uh, for Carl and Laura, uh, speaking into marriages and, and families. And Lord, may, may we, uh, all of us, uh, consider the, the, the testimony that we have um, to the world when we're, we're loving each other like you would have us. And uh, Father, thank you again for your, your uh, great patience and love for us. And may we, we show that to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.